Hey, everybody. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, uh, we just thank you for another evening, another opportunity we have to just open your word and uh, to, to learn what you have for us, Father. I pray that you speak tonight uh, as we read your scriptures and as we meditate on some of the things you, uh, you've taught us. Um, I pray that you give us ears to hear and uh, minds to understand and hearts to receive what you have for us this evening. Please speak uh, through me. Uh, speak in spite of me if you have to. And uh, we just give you this next little bit of time. In your name, amen. All right, so we all know there's a difference between listening and hearing. Um, I'm a very audio person, uh, a very much an audio learner. Um, I learn through just sounds. Um, I, I love sound, a trait I've uh, happily passed on to my daughter who loves noise um, and sound as well. Um, unfortunately, though, um, that comes with a very annoying trait to some in that I hear pretty much everything. Um, and so if someone is saying something to me, like I can actually repeat back exactly what they say word for word back to them, but that doesn't necessarily mean I actually heard it. Um, and so that gets on people's nerves sometimes because, um, and, and one person in particular who I won't say, um, because they know that I wasn't actually listening to them, even though I can repeat back every single thing that they say word for word. So, but, but we know that there is a difference between those two things. Um, and uh, so we have that, uh, this kind of idea in Scripture a little bit, that there's a difference between actually hearing the good news and the gospel and, and then actually you know, listening, or which, which implies action and response to that as well. So if you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8, that's where we'll be coming from tonight. Our main passage and our main focus for this evening is coming from Luke chapter 8. And I am starting in verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock, and it grew up, and it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns and grew up and uh, with it, and choked it. Some fell into good soil, and it grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. When the disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God, the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while and in the time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. And as for that in good soil, they are those who hear the word, hold fast and uh, in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. All right, so this is one of Jesus's famous parables. Right? One of the only ones that comes with an explanation after it as well. Again, it's pretty well known if you've been going to church for a while, um, but please don't tune out just because you've heard this since you were, you know, 
yay high. We just heard a testimony written uh, or shared off a video with something that God taught this college student through a passage that he had probably heard since he was like five. Okay, so God still has things for us even through some of these passages. It's, it, we're, again, just as a reminder, we are talking about the very word of God. And as Hebrews 4.12 puts it, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's word has something for us every time we read it. So with that in mind, Let's dive in. All right, so first we see that there's four different types of soil that the seeds um, that the farmer is sowing into or that they fall on. We have the hard ground, the shallow and rocky, uh, the weeds, and, and then the good soil. And these first three, as Jesus talks about, um, the people who hear the word, but, but they don't actually, you know, believe. And if you think about it, what we've got here are, are three uh, examples of some of the main ways that the enemy likes to keep people from coming to the gospel. Uh, we, have, we have the hard ground, and for whatever reason, these are the people that want absolutely nothing to do with the good news of the gospel. The, these are the people that won't even listen sometimes when you try and talk about Jesus with them. Their hearts are so hard that the seed doesn't really even sink in at all, and it's, it's almost nothing for Satan to show up and just kind of wipe that away and make them forget, and it's gone. These are the folks that sometimes can even turn hostile towards you as you're sharing the gospel with them before you even get a couple of words out of your mouth. I was on a mission trip one time, and, and we were sharing, just going around different areas and, and sharing the gospel with people, and we were actually in a foreign country, and uh, our, our little group had, had been walking around just in this area. Um, again, we were kind of going door to door and, and walking up to different groups of people that were out and about and were sharing Jesus. Um, and so as we approached this one in particular group, it was just a, it was a family. Um, before we got maybe as far as I am from Pastor Joe, um, we were about that far. They came out to us and basically said, we know why you're here. We don't want to hear it. Go away. And then they continue to say some not nice things in their native language. I have no idea what they were saying, but I kind of got the gist of it, and I really don't want to know what the exact words are. Right? So this is examples of, of hard soil, these people that don't want to have anything to do with the gospel. Then you've got this shallow and, uh, you know, or, or rocky soil. These folks actually hear the good news. They like what they hear. It sounds really good. They get excited about it. It sticks in their minds. But then the minute that something changes for them, uh, the, the minute that it doesn't seem to go their way, they're out. Maybe they think God owes them something since they're going to church or they tithe or, or that they didn't, you know, cheat on their taxes or, and, and then, God doesn't deliver in the way that they think he should. Or something bad and unexpected happens, so the deal's off. God, you didn't take care of me the way you're supposed to, so I'm out. Guys, that's when the self and the flesh and all of that, it, it gets in the way. Right? So, so we have the hard heart, these totally worldly people. We have the self and the flesh getting in the way. And then we have the example of, of the weeds 
And instead of self-causing distraction, in this case, we know it's, it's the world. It's, it's the cares, the desires, the, the opinions, the fads, the pleasures, the power, the, the wealth, I can keep going, of the world that just kind of get in the way. And the good news of Jesus really just is drowned, or in the case of the weeds, is, is choked out. It's silenced. And then, of course, we have the good soil where the gospel is accepted and believed, and you see fruit from that. But back to those first three. Uh, The good news, y'all, is that these folks who respond this way to the hearing of of the gospel, the good news is is they're not without hope. See, our our God is bigger. Our, Our God is awesomer which is a word I just made up, you, you name it, right? He, he, he gives them chance after chance after chance. Now, God doesn't force them to become his followers, right? He doesn't force any of us to believe in him. We have the free will. We have the option to do that, but that doesn't mean that hope is gone once they say no. There is still hope. If they are still alive and kicking, there is still hope for them. And so my challenge to y'all is, is don't, Give up on those people. Even if all you can do at that point is to continue to pray for them, fantastic. Keep doing that. One of the first things we did after that group basically cussed us out in a foreign language was that our little mission team, we gathered together in a circle and we prayed for that family. I have no idea what happened after that. I came, you know, we left, I came home, some of the nationals that we were working with in that country stayed. Um, I know a church was established in that village, and I hope and pray that those people, that family was reached for the gospel. But we prayed for them. So if, even, even if all you can do is, is, is pray for that lost person who has rejected you sharing the gospel with them, remember, again, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting God, fine, we pray for them. And that's exactly what we're going to do for a minute tonight. So we're going to take a second. We're going to pause right here. Um, and we're going to pray for some lost people in our life. I don't, I don't want us to forget. You know, a lot of times we, we hear these messages and we get convicted to do something. You're like, oh yeah, I'm going to pray for that person as soon as I get home or tomorrow morning during my devotional time. What happens? Five minutes we walk out the door, it's gone. So, so that that doesn't happen tonight, we're going to stop. Now, yes, Mike, you're preaching, you're up here, you're, you're doing a sermon that's okay. It's not important. Well, okay, the Bible is important, but Mike is not important. So um, we are actually going to pause and take a minute to pray. So everybody, just for a second, think of some person that you know needs Jesus that is in your life right now. You're, as Pastor Joe calls it, your soil, which is very appropriate to the verse passages that we are reading tonight. Everybody got somebody in mind? Fantastic. All right, so I'm going to give you two minutes. I want you to take a moment and pray for that person. Father, we pray for the lost people in in our lives. Father, I pray for all the the folks that you brought to mind right now as I was speaking. Pray that as as Jesus, as as you, or the good news that you have for us is is shared with them, um, that it be shared with them every chance that is presented to them, whether it's it's us sharing or, or friends and family and other people sharing, whether it's a few words about God or, or a full-blown question and answer in a gospel presentation. Father, we just pray that that comes across as evidence of Jesus 
that, that the enemy won't distract or steal it away or choke it out. We pray that, that this time, this time they hear it and believe it and receive it. And if not, that it, at least the seed be, will be watered and that it ultimately does lead them to a saving faith in you. Lord, we place these people in your hands. Lord, we know you love them just as much as you've loved each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, so here's the thing, guys. There's more to, to this passage because those same tactics we talked about having the hard heart and just not really wanting to hear what God has for us, the, the distractions of, of self or, or the cares of the world, Satan likes to use those tactics on us, too. Uh, and, and when I say us, I mean us as, as believers. Now, he, he may not be able to keep us from Christ, right? Once, once we're his, we're his. But he wants to make us as ineffective for the gospel as we possibly can be, or as he possibly can make us. One theologian put it this way, hearing the word of God is spiritual warfare. Satan wants us to forget, so he comes in and he distracts us. And we all know this. Sometimes, I just referenced it a minute ago, sometimes it's not, we're out that door two seconds and we've forgotten what's been said what we've learned in service, in Sunday school, in our Bible study, two seconds go by. And we start thinking about whatever else we have to do today or whatever else is going on or whoever else is distracting us or keeping us from getting things done, which, by the way, might be the very person we should be sharing the gospel with. The enemy wants us to forget, and he uses all those same tactics on us as believers so that he wants us to. We feel convicted of something or the leading of the Holy Spirit to respond, but again, somehow we get home, work tomorrow, we get focused on one thing or another, and, and it's just, it's gone. Again, sometimes we're not even distracted by bad things. Sometimes it's by good things. Sometimes it's by things in and of themselves are, are okay. We have to realize that sometimes they are being used as a distraction from obeying God. So this time we're going to pause and pray again for a minute. This time we're going to pray for ourselves, that God gives us the strength in this ongoing spiritual warfare, that, that we not let the enemy distract us so that we forget things, that we continue to make more and more and more of his son, and that God make us and use us effectively for the kingdom. So take another about minute and a half and pray for that as well. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being used by you. We know you don't have to do that, and yet we know you still choose to use us. Lord, I pray that you help us to remember the things that you are teaching us, Pray that you give us the courage and strength to live those things out. Father, I pray that you help us to be witnesses for you. Thank you again for using us. Thank you for wanting to use us. Please speak through us. And may our actions and words and lives draw others 
to you. Amen. All right. So, next thing I want to do, guys, is, is I want to look at this passage from a little bit of a different perspective. A lot of times we read this passage and we think about the kinds of soils, like what kind of soil am I? What kind of soil is, you know, my lost friend? Where's God doing things? What's happening? And, 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 and that's fine. That's good. And that's the interpretation of the parable, and Jesus talks about it that way. Um, but sometimes we read this passage as Christians, and we go, oh, we're Christians. We're the good soil. This doesn't really apply to us anymore. Let's move on to the next story and the next thing. Here's the thing. I don't think it even stops there. Hopefully you see, again, have been reminded of that clearer by now as, as that Satan uses some of those same tactics on us, so it's a reminder for us as well. Um, but also, I think it's kind of understood, and not many people talk about this part, but if you look back at verse 5 of the passage, Jesus starts the parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. How's the seed getting out there? Jesus tells us the seed is the gospel. Who's doing it? There's a sower. The correct answer is that someone is sowing it. Y'all, as Christians, we just talked about how God uses us. As Christians, we are given the seed and told to go sow it. It's called the Great Commission. Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are sent by God into our offices, onto our sports teams, into our friends group. We are placed in our soils for a purpose, for a reason, for sowing seed. I've talked about it a good bit with the high schoolers, why we don't do this, why, why we're scared to talk about Jesus with others. Fear, rejection, loss of status, friends, even, you know, in the case of those of us who have jobs, loss of job. But here's the thing. We're told to go. Jesus makes that very clean, clear. It was one of the last instructions that he left for us. Go do this. Go sow the seed. When I was talking about this with the students, I also reminded them that they weren't alone. See, a lot of times, guys, we, we don't speak up because we feel like we're the only one. And, and I, I, I took some time and, and to remind them and, and wanted to remind y'all as well that you, you're, not, you're not alone. There's about, what, 500 other people that make up this thing called Aldean Union Church who are all kind of in the same position. We all want to, or are all being challenged to share Jesus with others, and and yet we feel like sometimes we're absolutely alone. You're not. We have this church. We are here, gathered together. There are people here who want to pray for you, support you, encourage you as you act out this, this command to sow seed. So as, as a church family, maybe we should make sure our brothers and sisters know that we've got their backs. That they aren't alone. Maybe we should be encouraging one another. Maybe they don't feel, or they do feel like they're alone because we're not reminding them that they're not. 
Oh, and, and even more important than that, God is, is with us. God is literally inside of us giving the words to say, the wisdom, the guidance, the whatever we need. And so again, my, my challenge to you on, on top of encouraging your brothers and sisters in Christ is when you're out there sharing, how connected are you to, to God? We have to stay continually connected. It's a, it's a challenge to do those things that we talk about. One of those Sunday school answers, read your Bible and pray. Yeah, that's really important, actually. It's not just a Sunday school answer. It's something that we should be doing constantly. We have to stay connected. And again, I know that's just a word sometimes we like to throw away, but, but that's real. Right? Think of it as like a tablet, okay? Just... As an example, this has power, but it's powered by a battery. So it gets charged up, and then eventually it's going to die if it's not, what, plugged into the wall. Right? It has to be connected constantly, continually. It gets power, it works, it does its thing, it slowly dies, unless you plug it back in. And then it's power again. We have to continually, consistently, constantly be connected to God. Get to know him better, build that relationship, become more and more and more like his son. Because if we don't, eventually, we're useless. If my tablet had no power, my outline would not be there, and I'd have to come up with something. And I'd be even less coherent than I am right now. You don't want that. One more word. How many times is the sower mentioned in this passage? Once. Just once. The sower sowed the seed. Hey guys, this is the cool part. It's not our job to make the seed grow. We can't save anybody. God does the saving, not us. The pressure is literally off of you. It is not your responsibility. Our job, our assignment is to point people to the one who can save them, who can fix their problem, who can grow that seed. Our job is to introduce them to Jesus. There's a guy in the Bible who I think really understood that fact. His name was Andrew, Peter's brother. One of the 12, yes, but he's only mentioned a few times in the Bible. He's not Peter, James, or John, you know, the, the big three that, that are mentioned all the time and they get to see all these extra things because they're kind of the inner circle. Andrew's, Andrew's not a part of that. Now, he is one of the 12, granted, but again, he's only mentioned a couple of times in the Bible, but each time he's mentioned, do you know what he's doing? He's introducing someone to Jesus. The first time Andrew shows up, he's introducing Peter to Jesus. And another time he shows up, he's introducing the kid that has the five loaves and two fish to Jesus. Andrew didn't feed the 5,000. Jesus did. Andrew didn't save Peter. Jesus did. He knew he couldn't fix things. He knew he, he couldn't feed all those people by himself. He was a part of the conversation. How are we going to feed all these people? We don't have that kind of money. We don't have food ourselves. What do you want us to do, Jesus? 
But Andrew, after that conversation, speaks up and goes, hey, I, I know this. there's this kid here who's got something. Hey, Jesus, can you do something with this? See, he couldn't do it, but he knew who could. Guys, we can't do it, but we know who can. And so it's our job to bring those people to him. So this passage is really good because not only does it ask the question, what kind of soil are you? But it also asks, what kind of sower are you? Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we thank you for this parable. We thank you for the challenge to live in a way that brings glory and honor to you. We thank you that the pressure is off of us because we're not the ones that do the saving. Lord, I pray that you help us to remember that as we strive to live for you, to know that even if we fail and fall flat on our faces, you can still work. We have not broken Christianity for the entire world. Pray that you help us to move forward trusting you, to know that you do work through us and sometimes in spite of us, and that it is all about you. Help us to keep our eyes on that fact as we go forward, but also give us the strength to continue to live for you too. We love you, Lord. Amen.